0: All right, are you ready? Yeah. You'll sound ready. Take your Bible, take that book, turn with me to Psalm 118. We are going to have fun today. One of us is. <laughs> Psalm 118. We're doing anchor passages. These are passages you need to learn about that you go back to over and over. Last week was Romans chapter 8. Today is Psalm 118. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to think about what I'm fixing to say. Are we supposed to have a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. You know what that means, don't you? That don't mean he's up yonder and I know about him. You know what personal relationship is, don't you? That's real close friendship. Are we supposed to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? In case you didn't know, yes. We can do something no other religion can do. All their gods are in the grave. Ours is in this room and walking around. He said, my sheep hear my voice. We're supposed to be able to walk and talk. We're supposed to have a personal relationship with him. Now listen to this. Can you have a personal relationship with somebody if they don't have a personality? You can't have a personal relationship with a statue. It might be beautiful and you might like it, but you can't go out to eat with a statue and get to know them well, can you? What do you have to have to have a relationship with somebody? Personality. Can't have a personal relationship. You might decide... You're going to get you a mannequin for a girl, girlfriend because it's easier. <laughs> it might be. You get to make the decisions all the time. And she might be good looking. She might make you look good. What's the one thing you can't do with a mannequin? You can't have a personal relationship with a mannequin. Guess why? They don't have a personality. They got hair. They got eyes. They got a snout. But they ain't got no personality. You got to have a personality to have a personal relationship with somebody. Or would you agree with me? You can know all about God, know all about this Bible, and never get to know him until you know his personality. You say, "What, what do you mean God's got a personality? Who is Jesus Christ? Did he not say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Is he not the revelation of the Father? Is he not the revelation of the Father's personality? If I were to ask you to tell me about the personality of the Father through Jesus, what would you say? You would say, that's a happy man right there. I don't know if you ever read this book or not. I'm talking about this one right here. That man laughed a lot. He had the most wicked sense of humor. Read it. it. A lot of it was sort of undercover and under the radar, but if you caught it, you went, Dad, Jesus, you did this to me. I maybe you think he was hot tempered and he'd pop his top. Read it. Read it. He never got mad with sinners, but if you were a hypocrite preacher coming down on people, he'd open up a can on you in a heartbeat. When's the last time you took a whip and beat the tar out of preachers because they've been ugly to people? Kicked their tables over. Jesus was a loud, rowdy personality. Did he laugh? Was he tender hearted? Did kids love to be around Jesus? What kind of people do kids love to be around? If you ever met the Son of God and you knew his personality, you would say, This is what perfect humanity is supposed to look like right here. I'm not talking about the theology of the cross. Uh, eschatology. I'm, not talk- I'm talking about the man. If you ever met the man, you'd say, I'd like to talk to him. I'd like to be around him. Here's my point. You can't get to know God personally until you know his personality. Psalm 118 is where we learn the personality of God. It's where you learn his traits. It's where you learn what he's like. Uh, you say, well, tell me about Brother Brian. You'd say, well, he wears cowboy shirts and he likes to fish and He's old. I don't tell you squat. That tells you where I go and what I wear. You got to say, that man sees the funny in everything, including you. (laughs) He don't let much bother him because there ain't nothing left to bother him at this age. And number three, you hack him off, you act like a Pharisee, he'll kick your butt to your nosebleeds. Now I get to know me. Are you with me? (laughs) Those are personality traits. Psalm 118 is where you learn the personality of God and you love it. All righty. We're going to look at this, the goodness of God this morning, but also the main reason we're going to look at this this morning, there are some things going on in this world right now that are just crazy. Some of you got some things going on in your life right now that are pretty crazy. Leave it to beavers over. Gone are the days. Barney and Andy are gone. We're living in crazy days right now. Some of you are wondering, why is this happening to me? Some of you are wondering, what is this junk? This is the passage that explains it. And this is also the passage. I'm fixing to bring you a word from God this morning for you concerning your life and what's coming in the future. And it's a word of great encouragement. Are you ready? Here it is. Today's title is, Toughen Up, Buttercup. (laughs) It's Straight from Heaven. I'm going to help you get through the future right here. And you're going to see the deal. Psalm 118 verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. That's the whole Bible. Take the whole Bible, put it in one verse. That's it right there. That's all of eternity right there. Now the Bible tells us two things about our heavenly father's personality there. How many of you believe that God is good? Y'all really think that? All right, do something for me. Define good. You say, well, it's the opposite of bad. I didn't ask you what the opposite was. Define good. Let me tell you something. Hardest word in the English language to define. Think about it. If you say, well, if you say, well I got a neighbor. He don't steal nothing. He don't steal my car. He always He's nice to me. You'd say, that's good. That's not good here. That's not this good. What's the definition of good? Well, the Bible teaches us good. And that's the phrase used over and over. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. A man came to him one day and he said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life, good teacher? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one good. So that tells us we're not talking about a nice neighbor here. The greatest definition of God's goodness, what good means in his personality, maybe in Matthew chapter 20 where the Bible said, Jesus said, let me tell you what he's like. He said, he's like a farmer who had a vineyard and he hired some people to pick the grapes. And he hired this guy and he worked for him for one hour. He whooped out his bill bill fold and paid him for 12 hours labor. And then it said that some of the folks got a little irritated and said, that ain't right that you paid him that much. And he spoke back to him and he said, my cash, ain't it? Can I not do what I want to with what I've got? I had a fellow one time who was in college, I was dating my wife and he said, she ain't got no business being around you. I said, God made women. If he wants to give me the best one, that's his business. Shut up. I still think that. I've had preachers say, you have no education. You're dumb as a brick. You don't know whether you're coming or going. You got the largest church in the state. And I say, take it up with the one who passes out churches. His churches, he can to who he wants to. Do you understand what he's saying? He says, I own everything. If I want to give it to people who don't deserve it, I can do that. He owns all the joy in the world. If he wants to dump it on me, ain't gonna make me mad a bit. Then he said this. What's this? What he said? He said. He said. Is it not? Can I not do what I want to the most? And then he said this. I really enjoy giving things to people they don't deserve. That's him. This wad God that you have to walk across a tightrope to get him to smile at you. I don't know where you got it from. You didn't get it out of this book. He is generous to a fault. Then the third thing he said was, why does it bother you so much that I'm so good? God called himself good there. And how did he define good? I love to give people stuff they don't deserve and it tickles me to do it. That's the definition of good. How many of you God's been good to you? You breathing? Did you have breakfast? The only reason you're still alive is because Mr. Clean stood in front of you and cut somebody's head off Is fixing to kill you in the spirit realm. He is good. And that. what's the other great theological truth there? He's good. Well, I hope he don't change his mind if I screw up. What's the other one say? He's going to do it for 10,000 years. His mercy endures forever. Mercy is the word loving. God's kindness to you will be here after the stars have fallen. Look up here. Relax. He don't act out of his emotions. He acts out of his goodness. He's not going to have a bad day and cut you off. He's wonderful. I, I'm just, by the way, we're just beating around the bush till we get to where we're going here. Let Israel now say it endures forever. Number five, I called on the Lord. you ever done that? Anybody ever prayed? Isn't that calling on the Lord? When'd you call on him? I called on him. What does it say? when the chips were down and I was hurting? I called on him in distress. You know, I've actually had folks that don't know God and don't know anything much say to me, I think the only reason they're calling on the Lord is because they're in trouble. Why else would you call on him? <laughs> Read the Bible. That's the only time anybody calls on him. If you don't need him, you don't call him. Who's the only people who have any business praying to God? Those who need something. I called on the Lord in distress. And he answered me and said, you shouldn't have got yourself in this mess. (laughs) I want to make an announcement. He ain't like most preachers. He said, I called on the Lord in distress. And I want y'all to listen to this. this. I'm so proud of this. He answered me. I dialed his number and I got through. The creator of this universe heard my cry. I lifted my voice and he said, knock it off, boys. My son, that's my son. He answered me, And tell me what he did when I called on him in distress. He set me in a what? He set me in a broad place. You know what broad means, don't you? That don't mean a big farm, a wonderful place. I screwed my life up. I called on God and he opened the windows of heaven over me and dumped it out on me. Tell me what God does to people. If they'll call on him in honesty, he'll set you in the greatest life. Broad place means great life. Now you say, And people have asked me, why has God been so good to you? You ain't the best Christian I know. And I said, I know, you are. I said, but let me tell you why he's been so good to me. You you want to answer? You know why God's so good to me? He just really likes me. Okay, you laugh. Turn to Psalm 18. Keep your finger here. Turn me to Psalm 18. You don't believe it, do you? Psalm 18. He not only likes me, he really, really likes me. He delights in me. In case you don't believe it. What did we just read? Read this Psalm 1819. Psalm 1819. is another one of your verses you need to hold on to. He brought me out into a broad place. He has put me in a great life. He delivered me because I promised not to cuss again. <laughs> what does it say? God's been so good to me because he really likes me. He de- what, is, what does delighted mean? He really enjoys me. He really enjoys me. I'm going to tell you something. God laughs at me. You knew that. I'm praying one day and I, I was just talking and I said, dear Jesus, I said, uh, things are not turning out like I, I know you're getting it done, but this ain't the way I thought it should have been done. I said that to him. And uh, you may not believe this and that's fine. You don't have to believe it because it's not in the Bible. He gave me, I saw a vision and I saw right into heaven and I saw this. I hope you don't think this is sacrilegious. I really know him. I saw a vision. And the father was seated on his throne. Jesus was seated at his right hand. And the father had his head down in his hand with his elbow on his left knee laughing so hard. Jesus had his left hand on the father's shoulder pointing that he was laughing so hard he's about to fall out of the chair at what I said. I must tickle him. You said that this sounds sacrilegious. The man has a personality. Personality. Jesus revealed the Father when He walked on this earth. If you ever met Him, you'd take every chance. You got to go to a coffee shop with Him or hang around. He set me in a broad place because He likes me. He delighted in me. All right, let me make an announcement. This is why you need to be careful with me. Verse 6, God's on my side. The Lord is on my side. Therefore, I will not fear what can man do to me. I'm not that tough. Besides, I'm old now. I mean, the average female MMA white fighter could whoop my butt now. Let me tell you something. The Lord is on my side. I have nothing to fear. Not because I'm great or tough. Demons, when the creator of the universe is on your side, what are you afraid of? If God be for me, let me make an announcement. Listen to me. What's that next verse say? The Lord is for me. He's not glaring at you waiting on you to screw up. He is cheering for you. He's for you. How many of you believe God created you? We don't need to go through that again. We've been through that. How many of you believe he created you? Do you think he created you to torment you and you screw up? He created you, same reason you created your children, to do great. God is for me. He goes on to unwind the great truths of his personality here. I want to get to where we need to be. Uh, Let me make an announcement. How many believe we should trust in God? How many believe we should trust in the Lord? You're in church, say yes. Let me show you a twist on that verse. The Bible says this. Verse eight. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. That's you. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes as experts. Dear ones, you can do the best you can with your life or you can look up and say, I'm giving it to you. I trust you with my life. Or you can get experts to help you get a great life. You say, well, it's the right thing to do to trust in the Lord. That's not what it says. It didn't say right, did it? I don't know whether it's the right thing to do or not. What does it say? It is better. Got it? I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how great a life you can build. You hand it to him. He'll do better with it than you could. There's nobody that can do your life like he can. Do you see the simple truth here? He's not one of them saying, you better do the right thing. He's saying this, son, daughter, sweetheart, you can do what you want to with your life or you can hand it to me. And I hope you do good. But if you hand it to me, I'll do better than you could do for you. I had an old preacher friend years ago, we first started out. He was Indian and he would, he would always say this in his prayer. He said, Lord, you've been better to me and I've been to myself. I remember thinking, duh. I said, you ain't been very good. I said, if Jesus beats the pudding out of you, he's doing better than you than you've done to yourself. Why do people do certain things to themselves? Why would you take your ship to the bottom of the ocean instead of letting him drive it to the glory land? It is far better for you to say, you're the boss. Your life will be better. Your family will be better if you put him in charge of it. I'm telling you, make it, I'm going to say it again. A man's good. All he's trying to do is be good to you. He's that good. And then the great promises, four or five verses about demonic presences in the earth. He will take care of you. If I pulled up over at that uh, Tanger thing, which that ain't happening. But if I pulled up over at that tanger thing for some reason, and I happened to notice out there and saw my daughter's car and saw her working to it, walking to it, and then I saw a couple of thugs surround her and threaten her, you know what I'd say? Hope she's all right, I gotta go get me some shoes. <laughs> me and Smith and Wesson would fly out that truck, we'd cure that real fast. <laughs> you would for your daughter. Do you think my father who loves me more is not going to stand between me and hell that wants to destroy me and my family? You have no idea how many times Mr. Clean, the angel, has cut some devil's head off in front of you because the king said, you take care of my children. That whole 10 through 14, he said, they surrounded me like bees. How many have you ever felt like that? Devil's flying around your head like bees. He just set them all on fire and said, watch this, son, and burned them up. Let's get to the good part. All right, verse 15. I read this carefully. This is us. The voice of moaning and complaining is in the house of the righteous. I don't understand why in the world we don't understand. Here's what he wants, rejoicing and salvation. Dear ones, are you ready for the revelation? If you ever got to know him personally, you'd never stop singing. The voice of rejoicing is in the house of the righteous. If you got to know him and who he is, you would never stop singing. When something bad happened, you would say, he's got it. There's within my heart. You would just keep on singing. If we knew him. Do you see why I want you to get to know him so good? I want you to get to know him. So instead of worrying, you can shout and sing. This is the goodness of the Lord. What is his will for me? He wrote this stuff. All right, let's get to the good part here. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. You may put it in language you can understand. Even when I don't see him, he's working. Even when I don't feel him, he's working. Let me tell you something. The Lord is my shepherd. He don't have to keep saying to me, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm over here, I'm over here. I'm in this, I'm in this. He's there. You know what it means does valiantly? It means he's working a lot. Listen to me. God's all over your life. You say, well, it don't look like it. He's fixing to explain that. Only reason you're breathing is because he's all over your life. He's there. He's doing valiantly. And the wonderful, all right, let's look at life today. We're going to camp on uh, verse 17, 18. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live and declare the works of righteousness. Let's talk about America and my life in verse 18. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he didn't let me die. He didn't kill me. They say, "Well, that's fun up to now. I don't like that part right there. Let me me put it this way. What's God doing in my life? Why is there, if I I love God and he loves me, why is there so much junk going on in my life? There's the answer. Let me say it now. Let me read it from another version. God has trained me intensely, but he didn't kill me. All right, I'm fixing to teach you a deep truth out of the Bible that explains what's going on in your life. How many of you have things happen you don't like? Why do you call me all the time if you don't like it? All of us got junk. I want you to see. How many of you, how many of you ever thought something a certain way and then all of a sudden somebody told you something and you said, I see it from a different perspective now. You're fixing to see the junk in your life from a different perspective now. You're fixing to look at it from heaven's perspective. I want you to memorize this verse. The Lord has trained me intensely, but it didn't kill me. Question. What's the most intense, difficult training program in our nation right now? Does you might know, it's not the NFL training camp, not even close. What is the most intense physically, mentally, and emotional training you can go through in America? Does you might know, U.S. Navy SEALs. Nothing comes close to it. Let me tell you something about SEAL training. Uh, to, to apply for the program, you have to be a warrior. You already have to be a trained warrior just to make application. UMAC application to the SEAL program, the training program, which takes place in San Diego, California. If you're accepted and only the top of the top get accepted, only a tiny fraction of those get accepted get through. And they train, I think you would call their training intense. Week after week after week, it gets intense and it all culminates with the final week. You might know what to call the final week? Hell week. I ought to tell you something. It culminates with hell week. And they put you, you would look at that training and you'd think the human body can't take it. But it does. They put you through the most intense training out there in San Diego. I mean, physical, emotional, they torment you mentally. They put you through it. I'll give you one example. Oh, I think it's day four. You do exercises and drills all day long. You row that little rubber boat out there back all day long. When the sun goes down, you do not rest. You go all seven days without sleep. You're not allowed to sleep for seven days. Some of you grouchy after a half hour's loss. <laughs> you exercise for seven days without a moment's sleep. When the sun goes down on that fourth day, I think it is, you meet on the beach, you train in teams of six. You always have six and you never lose sight of each other. Train in teams of six. You meet on the beach, full combat gear, you got a backpack on. And all six of you get in the water, and that water's cold and frigid. And you swim from that, from their compound there. You swim for two miles across San Diego Bay in the ocean to a tanker ship that's tankered out there. I mean, it's anchored out there. You get to that ship, all six of you go underwater and go to the bottom of that ship and find the keel about 35 feet underwater. And you attach mock explosives out of your backpack onto the keel of that ship. Come back up, no oxygen. Come back up, you start that two mile swim back. When you get back from that swim, you ain't slept in four days now. You gassed. You finally, you and your buddies, finally get back to the shore over there and the drill instructor says, drop and roll. And in all that combat gear soaking wet, you lay down on the beach and you roll. They call it sugar cooking. (laughs) You stand up and you start one hour of intense calisthenics right there. But to be nice to you, while you're doing that on the beach and drill instructors are calling you names you ain't never heard before, about 25 yards over here is a roaring campfire in the cold. There are seats around it. There's hot coffee, sandwiches, and cookies. Other drill instructors are sitting over there laid back with their legs crossed, drinking that coffee, taunting you to come join them. And any sailor at any time is free to walk over there and warm himself and drink coffee. But if you do, you're out the program. They do that for seven days straight without sleep. They graduate as SEALs, and then that that's just that's just to start their training. That's to see if you got the mind, the emotions, and the body to stand it. Now, all right, think with me a minute. Why does our government do that to people? You know the answer, don't you? They hate them. These are people they just hate. And our government are sit, well, that's probably the truth. They are sadistic. They just want to do this to hurt people. How many of you think that's why our government does this to these boys? Not even close. Listen to me. There are evil, evil, perverted operatives in this world doing horrible things to people such as recently Al-Qaeda captured a young teenage girl, held her captive, did horrible things to her, demanded ransom, knowing when we get to ransom, we're not turning her loose. We're going to slice her up and leave her laying in the floor here. You don't send the average, overweight, honey bun sucking office workers to go get her. It takes men that are trained at that level with that ability to be able to get her out of there alive. Our government trains people to do that so they can help people and save lives. Got it? You say, what are you telling me? Listen to this. He has trained me intensely. But it didn't kill me. Your heavenly father loves you like nobody's ever loved you. Oh, we're going to have so much fun. You all ready? His main goal for your life is not kush. His main goal for your life is not to float through sucking mangoes. His goal for you is not comfortable. His goal for you is greatness. He wants you to be great. Can I ask you a question? Those of you who know history. Show me one person in world history. That ever changed this world and made a big difference. <clears throat> they didn't have to go through some tough times. Joseph: intense. Daniel? Jesus? How about Mother Teresa, who rocked the world in India? You think she had an easy life? How about Martin Luther, the great reformer? He was hunted like a dog every day of his life. How about Martin Luther King Jr., who altered the course of our history? You think he had a cush life? Dear ones, his goal is not comfort. His goal is greatness. You listen to me. Our children don't need a candy cane for a parent. They need a leader for a parent. Our children don't need marshmallows for grandparents. Our children need leaders. They need examples. They need rock. I understand that Miley's going to be showing her fanny at the Super Bowl this afternoon this evening? You going to let her raise your children? Really? Dear ones, our children need champions to show them what champions look like. Guess how you get champions? You give them a latte and a honey bun and tell them to get on Facebook. (laughs) The Lord has trained me intensely, but he didn't let it kill me. He didn't train me to hurt me. He trained me to use me. America has lost her mind in that if it's not easy, I'm going to cut and run. You don't build great families and great nations by cutting and running because it gets tough. All right, I'm going to help you understand this a little bit here. Why things are happening in your life like they are. They're not to kill you. God hadn't abandoned you, He is training you. I guarantee you a dollar to a donut. If you ever helped anybody, it wasn't because you read a book sitting on your faint. It's Because you went through some things. That, there sure enough was a great prophetic song written about forty years ago, and it just captured the heart of what goes why, why things happen in our lives. Is written by a great prophet. And The name of that song is a boy named Sue. I remember that Johnny Cash, a boy named Sue. Little boy, his daddy was born and his daddy gave, named him Sue and then split. And he grew up and how many of you know life is hard for a boy named Sue? Oh, not today because we got the anti-bullying campaign 60 years ago. It wasn't no anti-bullying mess. You, you just sucking. He was out of luck. Boy named Sue. And he had to fight his way through life. And he always swore if I ever see him, I'll kill him. Walked into the saloon and there he sat. I hit him hard right between the eyes and he went down, but to my surprise, he'd come up with a knife and cut off a piece of my ear. <laughs> they went to fighting in the mud and the blood and the beard. He said, I fought tougher men, but I don't remember when. He kicked like a mule and bit like a crocodile. He went for his gun and I pulled mine first. I said to Red Becky, son, he said, you got the right to kill me before you do. I going to tell you something. I knew life was going to be rough. And if a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough. And I knew I wouldn't be there to see you through. I don't like that part. So I gave you that name and I said, goodbye. I knew you'd either get tough or die. And it's that name's made you what you are. Then, he, then Johnny got to crying and throw down his gun and hugged him and they drank beer and crowed and all that mess. <laughs> you said, that's dumb. That's truth. Let me make an announcement. Till the day Jesus gets back to this planet, this world's going to get worse and worse life's going to get rougher and rougher, candy canes are going to collapse. It takes a certain amount of "Mm," to get through what's coming and if you're going to help somebody else, you're going to have to. Two preacher friends of mine named Waylon and Willie, it's country music day today. (laughs) They wrote a song years ago called Mama Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up To Be. I had to change it. That don't even apply anymore. Mama Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up To Be, candy canes don't let him eat pizza and watch that old dish kick him out the door tell him go learn how to fish let me tell you something we are going to have to start training differently why do you think my heavenly father and your father wrote this to you and sent it to you in a letter count it all joy when you fall into different trials problems knowing that that the testing of your faith is what makes you who you are. Strong, perfect, capable of helping other people. You want it in the Southern Alamance version? Quit whining because of the crap and start hollering this is good for you. Let me give it to you in the Northern Alamance version. Toughen up, buttercup. (laughs) The junk in our lives doesn't mean he don't love and he don't care. The junk in our lives means He wants me to make it through and I need to take somebody with me. Let me tell you one of the craziest things ever happened in the Bible. This is just crazy. Right before Jesus is crucified, he looks at Simon and he said, Simon, there was 12 of them sitting there eating dinner. He said, Simon, he said, Satan has asked me for permission to sift you. You know what? And then Jesus just sat there for a minute. You know what Simon said? What would you tell them? What would you say if Jesus looked at you and said that? The devil has asked me to give you to him so he can sift you. I hope you said no. (laughs) You don't know what sift is. Sifting back then was wheat. That's how you processed your wheat. right, you got your wheat. But wheat, the good stuff that makes bread that feeds your family, has got junk in it. Husks and other grasses. And you got the good stuff and you got the garbage. You can't eat the junk. You got to get the junk out of the good stuff. So the way you sift it is, you, you have to have a windy day, you take a pitchfork, throw it up in the air. The wheat is heavier than the garbage, the chaff. So you throw it up in the air and the wind will blow the junk out of it and the good stuff will fall back down. And you do that, old, you ever seen in, in old days do this over and over? When you're done, the garbage is gone. All you got's the good stuff. That's sifting. You're gonna let the devil do what to me? He said, Satan, Satan Simon, <laughs> Satan has asked me to sift you like wheat. And then Simon's holding his breath, wondering, what'd you tell him? And Jesus said, he smiled. I promise you he smiled here. He said, I've prayed for you. Simon said, crap. (laughs) That means you're gonna let him, don't it? (laughs) Listen to me. You said you shouldn't have said crap in church. Listen to me. These were real people with real personalities. They were redneck, uneducated fishermen who did not have a Bible like we do to learn history, world history burst on their lives. And they're trying to walk this thing through as ignorant backwards fishermen with God Almighty himself. And he said, Satan's asked for permission to sift you like wheat. I prayed for you that your faith not fail. Oh, Jesus. Is Jesus praying for my life to be comfortable? Find it. Is Jesus praying for me to win Candyland all the time? What's Jesus praying for me and you? I will carry you through this. Your faith will not fail. Now, here's the good part. You said, Why would he do that to him? Here's the good part. He said, And when you have returned, you will strengthen your brethren. That dumb, redneck, ignorant, uneducated, and that's exactly what the Bible calls him, that backwards redneck fisherman with no education started the greatest venture in world history called the church. He was the pillar of it, and he wrote the Bible. Guess how God got him to the point where he could help so many people like that? He has trained me intensely. But he didn't kill me. You said, Well, I hope he don't want me helping nobody. Bad news, Doc. <laughs> you are on his board and it's on, on the way. Exactly why, why does he allow stuff like this? All right, I should have had your boy name All right, now listen. What happens when you come out of SEAL training? How many of you think that seals are scared of the Boy Scouts? How many of you think even the Hells Angels scare seals? I mean, the Hells Angels are all 105 and fat, can't even stay on their motorcycles anymore. They're old. <laughs> Tell me what the seals are scared of. After that training... Sort of like I heard a highway patrolman who said he ran this woman down. She was speeding on the interstate and he looked on his computer and saw she had a, he said she was older than dirt. Said she had a concealed carry permit. Well, you know, if they see that on that computer, they know you could have a gun in the car. he said, ma'am, said, Do you have a gun in the car, a pistol in the car? She said, yes, sir. Got a 38 in the, in the console right here. 40 caliber in the dash, nine millimeter under the seat. <laughs> he said, ma'am, what are you scared of? She said, not a stinking thing. think seals are scared of somebody jumping them they ain't scared of nothing and they don't flinch at helping nobody how hard it is what is the purpose of training here's what the purpose of training is you're going to see in this next verse when crap starts in your life instead of screaming and hiding you bow up and say watch what he does this time that junk don't break you no more dear ones there ain't but one way to get to where certain people get to and that's to go through it enough to where you say, I don't care what happens, I'm going to holler through the whole thing. Let's read it. He has trained me intensely, but he didn't kill me. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I'll call a counselor, and I'll need a safe space, and I'll get a huggy blanket, and we'll have some chocolate. What has happened to us in this land, if we don't toughen up, we're going to get bulldozed. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. Dear ones, listen to me. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous will find relief. It's not through moaning and crying and saying, we're going to die. It's through standing up and saying, he has brought us this far by faith and he will take us home. It, listen, it's when you don't feel like it, you say, watch what he does. You see, you sounding redneck this morning. Yeah. This, what does the Bible teach right here? You go through junk and you go through junk and you go through junk so you can reach a place to where you, I mean, the devil himself comes on and you go, you bore me. Martin Luther, that great reformer. He was being hunted like a dog by the Pope and his uh, uh, soldiers. He was being hidden in a castle. And uh, he said, one night I'm sleeping and said, I woke up one night and there was this smell and this, in the room I looked down and he said it was Satan not a demon Satan himself standing at the foot of my bed and he said I just looked at him He's just standing there glaring at me and Martin Luther said I leaned up and told him I got a busy day tomorrow I need my rest turned over pulled the covers over his head and went back to sleep guess what that's my king's goal for you he wants you to get the place to where come hell or high water you're going to sing all the way through can't believe I didn't get one. Amen. I did. I thought it was pretty good myself. When junk happens in your life, he hadn't, he hadn't abandoned you. You probably hadn't sinned. This is training for raining. I love that great old hymn. I sing it all the time. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. We need to bring that back too. Daniel, we got a lot of new songs we need to add over here. Let me show you. All right, I'm going to show you. Now, I know you've heard this verse, but don't think you know it. I'm going to show you something here. Let me show you his goal for your life. You don't know how bad I want you to get here. You will enjoy your life a whole lot more if you can get here. He trained me intensely. I, got, I came through the gates. It didn't kill me. Watch verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. How many of you agree with that? So far, so far, so good. How many of you think Oprah made this day? Who made this day? Why are you here? The only reason you're alive right now is because God Almighty wants you to be. He created you, He put you in this day because He wants you here. This He made this day. He made this day. And so since it's His day, I'm gonna get up every morning and I'm gonna ask Him, it's your day? You created me? Tell me what you're gonna to do, today. Do You want me to preach to somebody? You want me to give somebody some money? You want me to mow somebody's grass? What do you mean to do today? Tell me what his answer would be. Read it. This is the day the Lord has made. I will. All right, I say to him every morning, dear Jesus, I love you. Thank you for letting me live today. Excited about my sausage and eggs. I tell him that every morning. Turkey sausage. What do you want me to do today? You see, now, if you're religious, you'll say, oh, he wants me to do this and do that. But if you know the Bible and you can hear his voice and you know his personality, he'd say, I want you to be glad today and I want you to enjoy this day. I want you to rejoice this day. Tell me the will of God for your life every day for the rest of your life. It's in verse 24. Don't, don't just quote these verses like parakeets. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Think about them. Don't start that par- I'm in a service not long ago and there's a lady behind me somewhere. She's one of these charismatic parakeets. And she said, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Sort of like my old uh, work truck when it won't start. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. (laughs) And I thought, and I'm not being ugly. The spirit wasn't in it. It was just parakeet. I kept thinking, man, I'm having a hard time concentrating because you can't get your car started. (laughs) And then I got to laughing. You shouldn't laugh in church. I got to laughing because then I got to thinking, It's starting to sound like what happens to my cows when a coyote gets in the pasture. Hallelujah. (laughs) Don't just say, I know those verses. You do not know those verses unless they affect your heart. You don't know those verses unless they control your life. Let me tell you something, tomorrow's Monday. I know y'all hate Monday. I love it, it's my day off. Let me tell you what's going to happen to me on Monday. Tomorrow's Monday. I'm going to get up and I'm going to say, this is your day. Only reason I'm alive is because you created me. This is your day. I'll do anything you want me to do today. Tell me what you want me to do. And he's going to tell me, I better see you smiling all day long. I want you rejoicing in my goodness. And I want you to be glad today, son. Go enjoy yourself. That's my God. That's your father. I'm telling you, the man is good. We got to wrap up real quick. Look with me. Uh By the way, I'm going to throw in a bonus in this thing. This is extra. Verse 25. Save now, I pray, O Lord, send prosperity. You look up to heaven and you ask him, bless this family greatly. Bless my business. Give me a raise. get me a better job if you want one. Bless my children. Give them favor with those people around them. Bring happiness into this home. You see, I don't know if we should ask for that. Can I ask you a question? Who wrote that verse right there? Who told you to ask him to prosper you? Pray I say, oh Lord, send prosperity. Ask him to bless the fire out of your life. You say, I don't deserve it. Go back to the first verse of that good thing. You don't get stuff because you're good. You get stuff because he's good. All right, here we go. Verse 27. God is the Lord. He has given us light. Does that mean a 60 watt bulb? Flashlight? What does that mean? What does the word light mean in the Bible? understanding, insight. I had a teacher tell me this past week, she said, I love teaching. She said, because I love it when the light comes on with the students. In other words, they get it. She said, they understand. Dear ones, listen to that right there. God is the Lord. He's given me understanding into what's going on in the earth. He has explained to me what's going on in my life. When junk comes in my life, and I promise you, it comes in my life, he must like me a lot. (laughs) Junk comes in my, it does. Junk just comes in my life a lot. I think it's got something to do with my job. I get a lot of junk in my life. And you know what I'm thinking when it's coming? Ain't you big enough to stop this? Let's answer that. Back to point three. His goal is not for me to be fat and cush. His goal is for me to be great. And this time I say, can't you stop it? Can't you make this stuff stop? Let me tell you something. He's giving me light now. I know why stuff comes now. He's shown me why we have to wade through hell by the half acre to get there. I know it now. All right, final word, and this is his word for you right here. Verse 27, God is the Lord. He's given us understanding through his word. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Tie that sucker down, dude. What in the world can that mean? Take a rope to the altar. Tell me what the altar is. The altar is where you make your sacrifices to God. The altar is where you commit your life to God. You come to the altar, make a commitment. You give him your life. You give him what, you give him a future. The altar in the Bible is always where you meet God and you make sacrifices to him. You put your life on the altar before God. What do you say to do once you put it on there? Go out to the barn, son, get a rope and tie that thing tight so it can't crawl off when times get tough. You know what he's saying right there? You make a commitment that doesn't change. You listen to what the Bible said about the days we're living in. In the latter days, many, what's the word many mean? Not a few weirdos out in California. Many will depart from the faith because times are going to get tough. You say, well, they weren't Christians. Yes, they were. How can you depart the faith if you weren't in it? Can I ask you a question? Are you going to be those people that when times get tough, you're going to crawl off the altar and take your sacrifice back and run from God? The answer is no. Why does he say bind the sacrifice? You know what he's saying? Don't run from me when times get tough. Stick with me and you will see the glory on the other side. Stick with me. Let me, uh, let me tell you what we need to do in our life. What has happened in this nation that at the first hint of trouble we run screaming? This nation wasn't made great by people who run. This nation was made great by people who put their hands to the plow, went through the hard times, and didn't look back. Amen. Mama, don't teach your babies to be quitters. When the teacher hurts their feelings, tell them, you sit here and eat a pizza. I'll go talk to her. You tell them, toughen up, buttercup. Life's not fair. God's good. Oh, that went over like a pregnant high jumper, I can tell. (laughs) The year was 1519. Hernando Cortez decided he wanted to do something nobody had been able to do. He was a Spanish conqueror. And the great treasure of the world was in Mexico. It wasn't called that then. It was with the Aztec people. They had untold riches there. And for 600 years, people tried to go in there and conquer them and take their treasure. They got their butts whooped every time. He decides he wants to give it a try. So Cortez takes a fleet. He had 11 ships, 500 soldiers, 100 sailors, and they sailed to what now is the Yucatan Peninsula and landed there at Mexico where the Aztecs were then. And uh, they knew he told them it's going to be tough. We're outnumbered. They hadn't been whooped in 600 years, but if we win this thing, we own all the gold in the world almost. It's worth it, boys. And he recruited 600 men to go with him. And they got there. They landed, landed at the... I mean, they didn't drive right up on the beach. You can't drive your boat right up on the beach. But they anchored it, and then they got ashore. They set up camp on the shore, Got all, unloaded the boats, got all the stuff out there. And then he lined all his men up on the shore, and he set the ships on fire. Let them all burn. And they stood there and watched it. And when the last ship slipped below the water... He turned around and he said, we got to succeed now. The need to succeed just went way up, boys. Because if I'd have left them ships here, you could have cut and run. You ain't running nowhere now because once they see you, they'll run you in the ocean. You have got to win. You have got to make it through this thing no matter how hard it gets. I like that right there. That's what it means, buying the sacrifice I made up my mind. I don't care what happens, come hell or high water. I started with Jesus. I'm going to finish with Jesus. I'm going to believe him. As my friend Job said, take it all away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It doesn't matter to me. 40 years ago, me and my sweetheart stood at the altar at the Mount Olive Baptist Church. And we said, better or worse, richer or poorer. She didn't have a clue. (laughs) We stood there and we burned both ships. No doubt in my mind, there's been a time or two she slipped back down to the shore to see if somebody left an unabandoned lifeboat or something down there. (laughs) And you wouldn't blame her if you knew. I'm going to be honest with you. There's times it was tough in them 40 years. Guess which one of us it was mostly on. Thank God. Dear ones, there's something God can't even do for you. He can't even stay on the altar for you. He can't keep following him for you, but I'm telling you, he is good. You stay with him. I don't care what comes. He will get you there and you will finish shouting the last verse. Let's read it. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. He's going to bless you on this earth. He's going to give you stuff no money can buy. All the gold in this world can't buy the peace in his heart. All the gold in the world can't buy the ability I've got now to laugh at junk. He's going to give you stuff money can't buy. He's going to give you stuff money can buy. He's got that too. One of these days, he's going to come back to this earth. And you're going to say, well, let me tell you what you're going to say. Dang. That's what you're going to say. And you're going to say, I am so glad I stuck with you. Can I tell you one other thing you're going to say when you see him the first time? Mm -hmm. Crap. (laughs) Not to him, you. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I worried five minutes in my life now that I see him for who he is. I could have enjoyed my life. I could have sung through the whole thing if I'd have known you was this big and this good. I have loaded your wagon today. Get to singing. Lord Jesus, we praise you with all of our hearts because you are, what I don't know how to say it any other way. This is not a fancy pastoral prayer. There ain't nobody like you. Everything the word good means, you are. I praise you and thank you. I'm the point, you don't even have to explain it to me no more. I know who you are and I know where we're going, so I'm gonna holler all the way through. I pray for everybody in this room when the nuttiness that is this land now And as this globe now hits their lives, I pray in Jesus' name, they won't even wilt. When that sick feeling in the pit of their stomach comes because something's wrong, instead of going, what now? They'll raise up their hearts and go, God is great. He rules in the affairs of my life. Thank you for a simple faith that'll carry us all the way to glory and blow us through the door, hollering, Jesus led me all the way. I trust you for that. Thank you for your goodness. And now, dear Jesus before we leave, if there's anybody in this room that's not yours, they're not a child of God, they're not a follower of yours yet, I want to pray over them in Jesus' precious name. Dear Jesus, why would anybody not follow you today? thought beyond me. Let's give them a chance. Dear Holy Spirit, go through the room. Open hearts to Jesus. Friend, if you're sitting in here today and God's not your Father and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord you don't know for sure, don't you go one more day without knowing. This is your chance to be saved follow Jesus. Be a child of the living God, your future taken care of, and your eternity sealed. What a deal. He paid for it because He loves you. You got to pray. Jesus said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want you to pray a simple prayer with me seated right there where you at. Pray it like a child. He's listening. He said, dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you love me. I believe you know my name. I believe you died for me on a cross. I can't fathom that. And I believe you're coming back to this earth one day. I wanna to belong to you. I wanna be on your team and in your family. I ask you today to forgive me every sin I've ever committed. And I believe you will, cause you said you would. And I ask you to take me into your family and come into my heart and make me yours. Dear Jesus, today, I'm stepping over the line. I'm yours. From this day forward, you're my savior, my love, and my Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for caring for me. In the precious, precious name of Jesus, I pray. If you prayed that, your heart was right, raise your hand real high. Thank you. Thank you. Put those down. Jesus, I praise you and bless you. And thank you. Thank you that heaven's door is still wide open. God's heart is still wide open and the future still wide open. I bless you and praise you because of your great kindness in our lives. Let Jesus be glorified. You be precious and glorified till the day I see you face to face and holler, what a king we have. In his blessed name we pray, amen and amen.